This is Preambling, where we turn our useless banter into a whole show so we can cut the fat from our normal episodes. In this episode, we talk about Jeff's appearance on the Stinking Albatross podcast, the origins of the phrase Stinking Albatross in Canadian politics, if communists go to heaven and whether it's really like what they think it is, Scott Horton endorsing IOANCAP's political philosophy and giving his Twitter life purpose, and why plastic straws are really worth breaking the Constitution over. Enjoy. Hello, grace and peace. We're taking Anarchy to Church here on the Anarchist Bible Study. I'm Josh, a.k.a. Iowan Cap. And I'm Jeff Park, a.k.a. a stinking albatross around Josh's neck. <laughs> it was even better the second time. I'll say that. It was okay. even better the second time. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Off to the races and already a boomerang all over the place. We've had to do this twice. Uh, but, but, yeah, speaking of albatrosses, uh, you had some uh, some media attention that was not state broadcasting this last week. Albatroy, uh, Al- Albatree, Alba- Alba- <laughs> <laughs> right? Uh, Albatrues. Um, yeah. Uh, so, uh, so yeah. Uh, the uh, the Stinking Albatross podcast, uh, which is uh, a podcast of uh, right now the uh, the federal pro-life political action committee uh here in canada um they had me they had me on this week and uh stinking albatross is a reference i think we've mentioned it here before to uh peter mckay who ran for uh ran for leader of the conservative party uh saying that social conservatives i.e people who uh are against abortion and uh uh at the at the very least, I would say to be a social conservative, you you need to be um, against abortion and against the teaching of LGBTQ, the latest LGBTQ teaching, whatever theory to children, whatever. At you the very at the very least, I would say those are the two those are the two uh, threshold issues, and sometimes it gets wrapped up into gay marriage sometimes it gets wrapped up into marijuana all kinds of things but um but i would say i would say life issues and sexuality issues are the main uh the main things that people mean when they say uh uh social conservative anyway um and uh, so he said that social conservatives are a stinking albatross around the neck of the conservative party of canada which is hilarious because it is a misreading, misunderstanding, misremembering, whatever it is, of the rhyme of the ancient mariner, in mm. which the the albatross is a pure and noble thing that was killed. It is the thing. It, it is the sailor around whose neck it is hung that is the guilty and 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 yeah. terrible. The the albatross is simply a symbol of the guilt, not. <laughs> uh, not the guilty party itself. So to say, to say that um, social conservatives are a stinking albatross around the neck of the uh, of the Conservative Party of Canada is to say that the Conservative Party of of Canada bears some guilt for the death of noble things, um, which is true, actually. Yes, um, and uh, uh, and so uh, anyway, it was it was 
hilarious from the beginning, which is why many social conservatives in Canada, including myself, uh, because I, I would consider myself a social conservative in that narrow sense, of course, um, is uh, many social conservatives in Canada have have taken on the albatross or even the stinking albatross as uh, as as, uh, as sort of a symbol uh, of our of our movement yep. because uh, uh, we are literate and and understand that that doesn't make us the bad guy. Anyway, at go ahead. length did cross an albatross. Thorough the fog it came, as if it had been a Christian soul. We hailed it in God's name. That's some culture for y'all. There you go. There you go. Yeah, yeah, and and very clearly from that from that passage. Just um, and it was just off the top of my head. Okay, good. I have in fact memorized the entire poem of the Ancient Mariner, and I didn't Google it really quick. Okay, rhyme of the ancient mariner. You mean yes? Should I say <laughs> everything say? but the title? <laughs> Poem of the ancient mariner. Yes, <laughs> I know I didn't read it once. Upon. Yeah, I was uh, an English major. I sometimes it's sometimes funny. Like I, I like I pop into uh, Periapsis Press, uh, their their live stream sometimes, and I always feel really. Uh, intimidated by the other people that i'm like wait a minute i was an english major too come on (laughs) i can can hang with these guys come on (laughs) yeah so uh so anyway um so yeah they had me on to talk uh about louise dean uh the uh, uh the school for teen moms that we've talked about many times on this podcast um and um uh, and and so yeah, that continues. That continues to be a successful campaign uh, yeah. for uh, for us. And uh, uh, and I was I was glad to be able to go on and uh, and uh, hang out with those guys, even even if I was bringing them an infuriating topic. Um, and they started with an infuriating topic. They, so they yeah. they started with an infuriating topic. Then I yeah. then I gave them an infuriating topic, and then they retreated to. Uh, Christmas movies uh, to, which, to wind up, which in which they gave the objectively correct answer for what is the best Christmas movie ever. It's a wonderful. It's life a wonderful is life the is the best Christmas movie ever. Absolutely. I, I I didn't I didn't mind their I I didn't make a top ten list myself to compare, but I I didn't mind their list. The the Jim Carrey Grinch, excellent. I think they, no. I think they put Home Alone two. I think each of them had Home Alone two on their list somewhere. Yeah. That is, is the correct, correct. answer. That's, that's the best Home Alone two. The first one's classic, um, but Home Alone two is the best, the better Home Alone. Yeah, yeah, and and so, uh, uh, so yes, they uh, they had um, they, they had, had some, very, and they had some really good insights into the Balenciaga stuff that I didn't even know. Like I didn't know some of the background of it. Like honestly, I didn't. I just heard the the short answer of Balenciaga. I was like, man, that's gross. And then I really got um, more of the background. And Patrick, it happens at Christmas time. It is a Christmas movie. Stop trying to uh, contend with the the facts Um, in the same way that, although here's the deal. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. deal. I heard recently um, people, someone was like, Die Hard. You're right. Die Hard is not a Christmas movie. It's about captives who are awaiting the arrival of, of a savior. It is an advent movie. Mm. <laughs> Excellent point. Yes. Yeah. Happy advent, <laughs> mother trucker. 
Uh, <laughs> uh, but this, anyway, this but, is, but anyway, by the way, we haven't we haven't pointed out this is our second advent as a show. And speaking of second is, advent, yeah. let's turn to Revelation. <laughs> um, you know, it's, it's great because you know last last year as a, I, I was a last year's advent as a partial preterist. This year as a partial preterist. So you know, it's <laughs> it's a. Uh, <laughs> it's been, you know different angles at the whole thing um <laughs> speaking of second advent let's turn to matthew 14 <laughs> um but but i was but um <laughs> uh but you know like yeah you did you you got some pretty good shots in on that uh on that uh albatross <laughs> show i thought i thought that i thought that that line that you made about i wonder if they could commission a study about the effects of stabbings on someone's sleep patterns i thought that was a really good <laughs> that was a really good line and uh and, oh i'm and, glad you, you know. thought that when you heard it on someone else's show and not when i said it on our show before well no i know you said but you you <laughs> you had you had practiced it on our show and you got it like, <laughs> yeah you, you had it perfect on that show <laughs> Yeah, I, I will say the de- the delivery on that show is a lot crisper. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You you ably represented uh, your 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 institute, um, you know, and at no point did you try and get people to go to your uh, buy me a coffee link. So I think that was a. Good- I mean. I did say the name of my website like three times. So like <laughs> I knew good, what I was good. there representing and and right. plugged it you multiple well. times. Yeah, it was a good show. And um, by the way, we, I've I've linked it on our, on our YouTube channel. If you go to our YouTube channel, you can look at playlists. We have a whole playlist um, dedicated to ABS on other shows. In fact, that's what the playlist is called. So um, we we linked that there. So if you want to go watch uh, watch it, you can find it there. Otherwise, we will link it in the description. But it was uh, you did a great job there, and it was a good episode. So um, yeah. Uh, Let's see. Then let's try to see what's next on my list. Um, oh, because um, our production meeting was so long sorry. ago. Speaking of periapsis press, I have something I need to talk to you off off the air. This is us having a part of a production meeting or a pre-production meeting. Oh, you meeting. and I. Oh, yeah, okay, okay, I yeah. uh, okay. Well, I I don't know. Speaking of periapsis press, I, I I thought you might have been speaking to periapsis press. No, um, they're not in the chat. I don't think. But okay. anyway, um. Oh, 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 right. Um, that's right. We're going to look at this. So I love Twitter. Twitter is wonderful. Um, this is, this is so fun. Um, we were, so, so maybe some of y'all saw this and I've linked to it in the chat for, or in the description for those of you who want, who are listening, um, or as Jeff calls you the master race. Um, where you, we, we saw this meme. Oh, oh, this meme. And, uh, I'm going to pull it up for us, uh, who are, who are watching the video and we, we've got to be very, did Viacom make this meme? (laughs) Viacom did not make this meme. Uh, Okay. Okay. That's that's important. Before we, before we get another strike on our channel, um, I just want to. (laughs) No, no, no. Viacom did not make this meme. Uh, so we will not be cu- uh, cut off for this, but this is, uh, it looks like it's a link for, it looks like it's a, a screen grab from a TikTok, And so some, um, you know, 
some attractive young woman who's been ruined by the internet and so now is has no marriable prospects uh did some video and and uh she uh she said me listening to religious people describe heaven as moneyless class stateless classless a moneyless stateless classless world then criticize communism and it's like it's another mo again the only good thing to come out of the the trill the new trilogy of star wars is oh, yeah. um is is the line from Luke Skywalker or Luke Skywalker where he says amazing every word you just said was wrong uh me too li- first of all me listening to religious people sure you are i guarantee you no <laughs> religious person is describing heaven this way but but uh you're you're not listening to religious people if this is what you're hearing um you're you're filling in your own blanks here but okay Moneyless, stateless, classless. And even if it were that it is wrong for us to then criticize communism. Those are four issues that I think we could have some fun with. So, <laughs> uh, uh, first of all, a, a moneyless uh, world. That heaven is a moneyless world. Is that is that how you would uh, describe heaven? Uh I would say that the that because the function of money is to facilitate um, exchange in a world of scarcity in which in which we have uh, limitless desires and limited resources and that, that we don't have a a match between our ability to meet each other's needs for those limited resources. Um, and, uh, and so that, so that money is a means of exchange to solve that mismatch problem. Um, I would say that, that I don't expect any of those conditions to pertain in heaven. There is however, a, um, uh, is, is there a, is there value in heaven? Yes. Um, I guess I have this question of like, what is the treasure in heaven for? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like treasures in heaven. That's, 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 uh, I don't know. That right. seems like money to me. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I see. I, I, I don't know how I feel about this. This is actually where I sometimes push back on people who are like, it's not going to be, there's going to be no scarcity in, in heaven. But what we're describing, what I mean is, okay, so in heaven, that is the souls apart from the body with the Lord awaiting the second coming, then yes. Like, how can you have scarcity in that situation? If what we're talking about is actually the the new heavens and the new earth with resurrected bodies, then I actually think that scarcity is actually... Like, okay, what do we define scarcity as? Scarcity is the fact that there is not an unlimited amount of things. So I, I actually don't, I'm actually not sure that I expect the new heavens of the new earth to actually be post scarcity in that sense. I think there's a, there's a sense in which even in Eden, there was still scarcity in a sense, not in the sense of in the fall scarcity becomes possibly a dire situation, but in the sense that that there is a tree there and not here. 
in, right. in some way points to scarcity. Like that, there's a tree there, and there is ground here, so there's not a tree there, or there's a there's a fruit there, but there is not a fruit. If there's a if this fruit is in my hand, it can't be in your hand. Like I don't think those those laws of 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 spatial reasoning and therefore economics will actually be gone in the new heavens and the new earth. I think there will be scarcity in that sense, in which case there will be value to certain objects. But I think what we're describing here is not a situation where I am going to be where, well, well, we're in a situation where the ground once again works with us. And so there's not the dire situation of scarcity. Right. Right. Yeah. And, and note, I don't believe I said, I, I use the words that are often used to right. define scarcity, but I don't yeah. believe I said scarcity post scarcity. I don't believe I said, I, 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 I believe I described several things and said, I don't think those conditions will pertain. Um, yeah. it, it, and, and so, so money per se, as we have it, um, probably not, but, but certainly, value and value yeah. comes from scarcity so yeah. so yeah and might there, we're on might the, there be exchange i don't know yeah I, I think i think there there probably will still be exchange um the other option is that there's a permanent hierarchy which let's let's yeah. uh uh let's hold on to that thought for a second um (laughs) um but um but or those are not mutually exclusive by the way but (laughs) but uh um uh but certainly without without exchange and with treasures in heaven um and with I mean, there's in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. It's it's, it's it, it and I go to prepare a place for you. Uh, so it sounds like there's some sort of property ownership or or mm-hmm. steward property stewardship. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, in the in the in the same sense. Mm-hmm. In the same sense that I, uh, um, I, I try to, I try to make, I try to determine ownership of a toy. If my kids are fighting over it, mm-hmm. who, who owns it? That person gets to decide yeah. how it's used. But I, but I always have, I always have the trump card that all of these are actually daddy's toys. And they're given yeah. to you for your stewardship, um, and yeah. I can take them away at any time. Mm-hmm. Um, um, on a thousand hills in this household, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so, so there will be uh, that sort of. I think there will be that sort of relationship yeah. to property in heaven. Yeah, I think we we have to remember that new heavens and the new earth. The new heavens is, and the new earth. The new heavens and the new earth is the goal. And that is, and, and and in that world, we're describing this world, but unfallen, and really is in a sense like Eden, but better. But but like like I'm just imagine like thinking like okay, so there was still fruit and food in the garden. There was still food in the garden before the fall, and so there will probably be fruit and food 
after the fall. In fact, Jesus, after the resurrection, because Jesus resurrected, eats a meal with his disciples. So they're still eating. But I think there's there's some fascinating uh, things to consider about the new heavens and the new earth is that the concept of eating without starvation, you know, food without starvation is what we're talking about. Like that there's like, we will still be hungry, but it'll be pure pleasure instead of um, there being the necessity and the, and the, the desperation of not having. But I also think about like, what would markets be without sin? Isn't that interesting? I think that's an interesting concept to think about. Like what is, um, what is uh, current, what, what is trade apart from sin? Like there, there, the, I think we could see that sort of thing. I don't see any reason why that wouldn't be the new heavens and the new earth. Like I have apples on my property. You have oranges on your property. I would like some oranges. Would you like some apples? Like some kind of a trade organization, but there's, there's not a situation where like a trade trade situation, but without the, grasping of greed without the covetousness that's that infects our market processes and that um will be a um i don't know i just i i imagine like what would that be like um yeah just just i think that'll be an, an interesting um yeah yeah, I, I don't know. I just think I just think that that this is an assumption. The moneylessness is is an assumption that I think sometimes even Christians will come to. That I'm like, it doesn't. Sure. I don't think that that necessarily follows. Like, what are the treasures in heaven for that we're accumulating now, if not for some kind of a, uh, some kind of a trade, you know? Like otherwise, it's just kind of, you know, wearing. Or, a, at the, so at the very minimum. If treasures in heaven don't mean realized value of some kind in heaven, mm-hmm. then then I think those words are deceitful. Yeah. So so then I think it's safe to say it doesn't mean that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, so so yeah, I think. Um, uh, I think that in in the most technical sense, moneyless might be accurate, but yeah. it's not. It, it's 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 not one of the first descriptions that would that you would intuitively come to yeah. if you're trying to describe heaven. Yeah, it is. It is one of the first things that some anarcho-communist is going to, is going to tell you about, about their utopian society. Uh, So this is actually more of a mismatch than a match in that sense. Um, But, but then like, okay. So I think there's an aspect of what they're really meaning that I think we'll come back to when we get to the word communism. Uh, But, um, the stateless part, I think the stateless and classless, we could probably take in one in, in at once, but like statelessness in the sense of like, okay, so what do we define the state? We define the state as the monopoly of aggressive violence. 
that someone owns the monopoly on aggressive violence. Like that's that's how we understand stateless. I think the communist would probably think in terms of some kind of an official governmental class, but whatever. The difference at this point is irrelevant. It's pretty irrelevant. Um, it's well known well, that Marx stole his class theory from uh, libertarian analysis, but um, well, and I mean, this person probably would describe as an ANCOM. One yeah. would one would assume. Yes. <coughs> yeah. Yeah, and, and but like. And, as far as statelessness goes, the like um the problem uh, again, this is our problem with the state is not once again, our problem with the state is not the uh, the monopoly of violence per se. It's the unjust claim of a monopoly of violence and right. the fact that mere humans are not worthy of trust to wield right. the monopoly of aggressive force. Uh, what we'll call it coercive, we'll call it aggressive, whatever. They, the fact that they wield the monopoly on aggressive force, um, they're not trustworthy of that. A fallen human cannot be trusted with that. Um, you know, as, as often, you know, many of us uh, Christian anarchists, uh, anarchic Christians, whatever, um, as many of us will will kind of point out, you know, a lot of times people will their argument for the state is, well, humans are sinful, and so they need some kind of a governmental structure to 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 um, limit their sinful behavior. And so like, so, okay. So to limit sinful human behavior, you put sinful humans in a position of having a monopoly on aggressive force. Yeah. I don't see how that could go wrong, but, but like, but true, but the truth is heaven is not stateless. <laughs> there will be a King on the throne. <laughs> there's, there's going to be a very much a, a King on the throne and again, to go to the classless thing. There seems to be a hierarchy. Um, you can look back to our 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 episodes on Revelation four and five, where we see a very defined hierarchy in heaven, and it's going to get even more um, as as we keep going on. You know. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, um, I, so yeah, that, and, and so again, is, is that a state in the way we define it? Not really. It's, it's. I, I mean, it's it's kind of it's kind of funny, actually. In part, by claiming all authority in heaven and earth, he's transcending the state boundaries. He's he's transcending the the uh, the the modern idea of a state. The mm -hmm. without without borders without a specific uh, a specific plot of land to exert aggressive violence over um, there there is no um, um, 
there is no state by our definition. Another place where that where our definition would also break down is a property owner exercising authority over his property is not a state. <laughs> and and this is the God who made everything. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, and, and he, and he is also the King. Um, but, but yes, as the God who made everything, um, and redeemed it back <laughs> anyway, despite having lawful claim to it, um, then, then also redeemed creation back to himself mm-hmm. um then then he is he is the rightful property owner of everything including all people um Correct. and and yeah. so again the the entire idea of uh statelessness breaks down and and class in the sense in the unjust sense yes but Again, not the absence of hierarchy. Yeah. Um, and we've said that so many times I've lost count. But yeah. and then and then at the end it's the then and then they say, and then you criticize communism. And again, this is the part where I think is is, is particularly interesting, is that like, first of all, um what she seems to be saying is that if heaven's gonna be like this, then we can't criticize communists were trying to do it now um there's plenty of ways first of all even if it were true that heaven is like these things is stateless classless moneyless then we still can criticize communism in the here and now um you know one of our big criticisms of the state is after all the fact that uh they claim powers of god that are not deserved to them that they do not earn they do not they they do not um they they yeah they ape at divinity as we say off so often that the state apes at divinity and so even if these this is true then claiming a right that is only for God is is not just is not just well, but it's idolatry it's idolatry but even more communism isn't just moneyless it's propertyless right that that all there there's all public property and that is not going to be true in ha- in the new heavens and the new earth we will have things that we own and that we mix our labor with in a lockean homesteading kind of idea that we will ha- that, that heaven will have property for us to build on we will build houses we will um have gardens like if if Isaiah sixty six, um, which we believe is is parallel to Revelation twenty one for a reason, is speaking of this new heavens and new earth, there is there's going to be pers- private property, um, and not and 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 I would say like we don't have to reach that far to get there because again the sixth commandment impl- or the, sorry the eighth commandment implies it. That we will have, that that private property is something that is of God, um, and so I, so um, nice young woman, um, poor poor 
confused young woman. Um, it's not true. Heaven is not a communist utopia. Uh, <laughs> heaven is the land of the king where he bestowing gifts on those who were um, faithful on earth. They will be, they will receive crowns in heaven and will reign and judge over angels. And this is not yeah. the world they think it is. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Micah goes off. Um, but every man shall sit under his own vine and his own fig tree, and no one shall make them. A it's a, whoa, whoa, whoa. Not so fast there with the property there, Micah. <laughs> um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's. Um, and. And then. Of course. Setting all that aside, one could also criticize communism if, even if we were wrong about all of that, one could criticize communism for doing a bad job of getting to any of those things. Yeah. Um, it, it's um, so I that that rather than resulting in classlessness, it was, it had, it has. And yes, of course, real communism, just like, just like, just like our views has never been tried. Difference being the closer into our view, the less violent, more better off the world becomes. Mm. Um, let's see. But, but yeah. Oh, sorry. You're skipping there a little nope. bit. I couldn't tell if you were done talking or if you were just skipping. I was probably just skipping, but now I'm done talking. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Um, so we're going to go from this to even more Twitter um, because I, I wanted to show something and, and maybe it's partly because of, of the tweet, um, but mostly it's to show you guys something else. Um, so this is a, a Scott Horton tweet. He had tweeted um, about a standoff with a, a police officer and, and um, it was a terrible situation. I'm not going to go into it, but um, says, but his, his tweet was okay. I'm against the government death penalty, but I think it's fair to let her father do it. Um, and I replied, this is my political philosophy in a nutshell. Now, now, first of all, I don't have to explain this because I've explained it a hundred different ways on the show. Um, but really what I wanted to do was have everyone, Look right over here. Oh my goodness! What does that say right there? What's that? What's that little it's word? Those little, little words. Oh, there's right there. Scott Horton follows me. I'm just sorry that I just wanted to show that off. But um, 
too distracted by the fact that you perpetually have more than 20 notifications and four <laughs> messages every time you show your Twitter. Every time. Every time. It's true. <laughs> I'm the worst at answering group chats. I'm the worst at responding to notifications. I will just keep clicking and clicking and posting and posting on new things and I will never check my old stuff. I'm the worst. Uh, <laughs> um, but... I never have inbox zero in any of my actual inboxes, but on Twitter, yeah. I have inbox zero. Um, um, actually, <laughs> actually, I know exactly what the situation was. Um, Patrick said he must have sneezed and made a mistake. No, that was the time that I was on um, the Mad Ones podcast, and uh, I was on the day before they had Scott Horton on, and so I uh, was in an at chain that um, that Cam had posted on that, and and uh, and so I, I had made a little joke about uh how everyone who tuned in uh everyone who tuned into my episode were just a day off of the scott horton episode and so and then scott horton followed me i was like oh that makes me feel good <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> yeah clearly neglected poor stewardship <laughs> yeah that's that's probably what's going on there um but um let's see where Oh, but, but, but it was, it is, it is an interesting, like, um, that is kind of, a, um, you know, the, the, uh, the, 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 the matter of the political philosophy on my, on the subject of, of capital punishment, I find myself arguing with libertarians more often, uh, on the subject of capital punishment because they will so often make a moral argument against it. Right. Um, including Christian moral arguments against it. Um, but, but, and, and I have to oppose that. I have to, I have to argue against that because um, first of all, it's, it's a, uh, it's an enduring law of God. It's part of the Noahic covenant, which is not right. overturned in the new covenant. The Noahic covenant continues um, beyond the overturning of the, the mosaic order. And, but, and, and also like if it's, now, this is the problem that I have too is like people who make moral statements about changing situations. So, um, so like you got situations, like I, I also have trouble with the whole moral case against circumcision. I get a little bit, a little bit, um, chafy about that because if God once said that it was okay to do, then I think it's hard for us to make a case against. God's command. Not the word I would use. But no, no. Whatever you. I picked my words carefully. Uh, <laughs> and I, but like we've also talked about about war. Like like if God calls a nation to go to war, if God tells them to go to war, then it's not immoral every time to go to war. If God tells His people to circumcise His children, then it's not immoral to circumcise your children. Um, you could argue right. that in light of the new covenant situation that it becomes in, in immoral because it no longer fits in the um, administration of the covenant of grace that it was in before. But, or like you could argue that since it's, it's no longer connected to the, to the more mosaic covenant, then maybe <laughs> Patrick, Patrick, <laughs> the, just the tip of the iceberg with that combo. You could argue that because it's unnecessary, it becomes immoral. But that, but you can't just go ahead and say it's an, it's immoral. And I would say the same thing with um, with 
the whole subject of uh of capital punishment but then someone will come back and be like i don't trust well i don't trust the government to do it and i'll be like yeah i agree like right. that like, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm with you on that one i do not trust our current and i would not say that i don't trust any state to you to to rightly wield the sword but i would say that yeah i absolutely do not trust the modern bureaucratic state uh as 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 kirk called it the managerial state i do not trust it to wield the sword um i don't trust capital punishment being wielded correctly in the current situation the current state so, so the the phraseology i prefer on this is a moratorium on capital punishment that 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 we are Patrick. It's immo yeah. hell, immoral, 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 immoral. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got it. Uh, well, yeah. Anyway, um, it. Um, but it is very difficult to start to make a point knowing that Patrick is going to interrupt it. Um, but, uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, no. Um, so that the terminology I prefer is a, is a moratorium that yeah. for the foreseeable future, my government should not kill people. Mm -hmm. I, I'm willing to say that, but I'm not willing to say that the death penalty should be abolished for instance. Mm -hmm. I, I can't go there. I don't think... Um, Keep going. We can't let him keep I don't doing this think, to us. Yeah. I don't... <laughs> I don't think... Uh, uh, I don't think that... I don't think that this is a covenantal thing. I... I it, um, it's Genesis 9. Mm -hmm. and and so it it's not part of the mosaic covenant there's no reason to believe that it that as part of the noahic covenant it is uh it is no longer in force any more than the promise not to flood the entire earth is no longer in force um or cold and heat shall not uh shall not end a a uh, passage that I catechize my children with every time we pass eco activists on the street um but uh <laughs> anyway <clears throat> so um so yeah <clears throat> Sorry. The um uh so I'm 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 with you on on that on that line of reasoning though. And and certainly the other thing that we've brought up a few times, but maybe not enough, is the idea that the Avenger of Blood, that the that the that that it is ultimately 
it is ultimately the family's responsibility to seek justice. I think we intuitively know that, which is why we allow like victim impact statements and stuff like that, even though in in the myths that we tell each other about our justice system, that that should have no place in a courtroom. But I think we intuitively know um, that uh, that that is the just way of proceeding. And and that the reason you need a civil magistrate is to is is so that every blood feud between families doesn't last hundreds of years so that we're able to we're able to um resolve blood feuds in 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 way uh, um hopefully before they become blood feuds obviously um resolve resolve um blood debts uh between families in in a in a way that uh particularly powerful families in a way that is seen as fair uh on both sides uh so that so that you end the cycle of violence quickly that's um that's the entire idea that was why the cities of refuge were established as sort of a minimal uh a a, a, a real de minimis civil magistrate um and um and you have you have slow development of other standards of justice to try to develop out um this this idea into a um um uh and um it's it's interesting um uh david bonson who uh, is not usually all that friendly to our ideas and 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 actually doesn't seem all that friendly to theonomy despite who his father was um i i was listening to uh to his podcast um which one is that uh uh, Radio Free California. I, I was uh, I was listening to his uh, his podcast this week, and um, and they were talking about Elizabeth Holmes, the uh, CEO fraudster of Theranos, that said that they could derive all this medical information about you, do all, run all these tests from a single drop of blood, and all this kind of stuff, and it was obviously fraudulent and all that kind of stuff. Um, the kind of thing that's so stupid only a tech bro could believe it. Um, and, uh, and so anyway, but, um, a lot of them did and a lot of non-tech bros did a lot of members of the U S government <laughs> did and all kinds of stuff. Um, but, um, uh, and so she was sentenced to 11 years in prison for, for her fraud and and david bonson was talking about how unjust that is um that that you get five years in, in california for rape but 11 years for business fraud 
is like, like that's crazy. This <laughs> is, and 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 he's right. I mean, he's objectively correct. Um, that and but then then he even he even said again. I think he mostly rejects theonomy, at least as impractical, if not. But whatever. Um, but he said, look. For her, she's obviously a very persuasive person. Um, have her have her cold call for the SPCA for crying out loud. Like, put her to some good use. Like, have her, have her use her obvious skills for the good of society instead of instead of just throwing her in a cage for no reason for eleven years. Um, so. Um, um, so yeah, and I think uh I think he uh uh I think he did also bring up this uh Samuel Bankman Freed as well and um and uh and all that and just the just the complete injustice uh of all of it. Um and um yeah, so we definitely like the so-called justice system that we that we have landed on in the Western world um, does not actually correspond, I think, to most people's intuitive sense of justice. It it um, it does not actually correspond to biblical standards of justice and i think i think the longer you try to live in god's world with that so dramatically off the the more the more the comfortable lies of the state <laughs> um cease to have their uh, violence calming effect right so um, for for all the for all the evils of the state um, we happily concede that that even it is a blessing in that in that as decayed as our society is in part because of the state but as decayed as our society is um that if 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 that if that governance were removed we wouldn't end up with hoppy and covenant covenant communities we would um we would end up with gratuitous violence um and um and but ultimately this is this is uh this is like keynesianism except for except for uh uh for for all of society and not just the money um where uh where for now the 
the most peaceful solution is let's just patch up the system we have. But eventually that's going to bottom out. And eventually, um, eventually I am, I am concerned what that looks like in the collapse. And, and so we've talked about several times that, that um, one of the reasons we think that this is important, one of the reasons we do this is that when times of collapse come, the, the philosophies that are on offer that, that, that people can reach out and have available to them are very important. Um, and, um, and we think Christian anarchy should be, should be a philosophy that people have available to them in the next collapse. Yeah. <clears throat> and I think a better idea would be to do it gradually, right? Of course. Yeah. I think they call that yeah. decentralization. Um, yeah. Y'all got something going on about that, right? Yeah. Excellent segue. I mean, that was, that was, that was. Flush that segue. You, you are a professional podcasters. I own it. Um, <laughs> so, <clears throat> uh, so yes, the, uh, uh, the Alberta Sovereignty Act is, and, and the reason the reason we we're not committed to talking about it every week, we 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 aren't we aren't just setting up Jeff with a Sovereignty Act corner um, every week. Uh, but uh, but the reason we we will talk about it quite a bit is because um, decentralization uh, is is the peaceful path to incrementally um, move away uh, from the rapidly collapsing super states as we see it um, and and toward towards something uh, that that might be more moral more manageable more in keeping with more in keeping with the way God made the world, um, more in keeping with human nature. Um, and, and so, so, uh, we'll, we're obviously we can, we talk about the sovereignty act in part because my organization is under a think tank that, that, <laughs> that originated the idea in many ways and um and um, i'll say in many ways it's obviously once you let politicians start touching something it does change and that that's that's understandable um but um but in large measure the the version of the alberta sovereignty act that we could have conceived of passing a little over a year ago, it, it just passed um, in Alberta um, this last week, and uh, and is awaiting royal assent um, because Westminster democracy. Um, but <clears throat> um, and um, and so that so that's that's part of obviously that's part of 
why I talk about it is because it's it's something I I keep up with for my real job, um, and uh, uh, and um, it's it's something that um, obviously as an Albertan is very very important to me. Um, but we also talk about it because this is a this is a practical outgrowth of our principles actually happening in the real world right now. Um, and um, God forbid it took a Randian to do it. But uh, but anyway, it's a uh, <laughs> it's a uh, um, uh, so it's um, but it is uh, that that's one of the reasons it's worth talking about. The, the but uh so so it passed this week that's in, that's important obviously but that's not the main reason I'm talking about it this week the main reason I'm talking about it this week is that um, Danielle Smith has a radio show called Your Province Your Premier which she inherited from Jason Kenny who created it to try to save his leadership of the province and uh, uh, and failing in that effort. It's now Danielle Smith's show. Um, and, um, and so on her radio show yesterday, um, she said that the sovereignty act quote could have been used in the past end quote um, to stop the federal law on plastic straw, the federal plastic straw ban. And she said, quote, how many people love the fact that they are now having to use paper straws, end quote. Um, well, continue. I can tell you because I have a restaurant and when you're trying to give a kid a root beer float, you have to plan to give them four paper straws because they get so destroyed. Wouldn't it have been better in advance for us to say, hold on a second, we can recycle plastics our own way, a different way, without identifying things that just don't make sense. And get people talking about it in advance and then be able to develop a policy around recycling that makes sense. Instead, we sat back, we waited for the federal government to pass policy, and they identified six single uses of plastic, and some of them are idiotic. And now we're fighting it in court to be able to get that power back. Wouldn't it have been better if we hadn't, hadn't allowed them to take that power away from us in the first place? I think it would have. And those are the things we're looking for. So, so that's what she said. And all of Twitter now is dunking on, on Danielle Smith. Oh, isn't this a silly, frivolous thing? You've passed this huge constitution breaking. It's not. It's constitution affirming. Um, but this huge constitution breaking um, sovereignty act. Um, and, uh, and you really want to use it on plastic straws so that Timmy doesn't need four of them for uh, Timmy doesn't need four paper straws for his root beer float. Yes. <laughs> so first of all, first of all, can we take some time to say, yes, I don't think so. This is a big, like Twitter is not real life moment for me. Cause I don't think people on Twitter understand that, that I honestly believe that, that if you if you gave if if you gave an average pro abortion voter the choice between keeping abortion legal and keeping plastic straws legal they would probably take the plastic straws <laughs> like 
because it actually affects their life so much more than the abortion thing. Most normal voters, um, like it's, um, I don't think, I don't think, I don't think people realize how annoying that was. I think, I think the federal government is spared in part by most people not understanding that this actually was a federal government policy. I think a lot of people, because woke corporations were already going this direction and are already doing things and, and they're already getting rid of, of paper towels in their washrooms and all kinds of crazy stuff um, like that. And by the way, that is crazy and annoying. And if you have kids, it's extra annoying. Um, and, um, and so the, um, so I, I think, I think a lot of people just think, oh, things were going that way. And now you can't even find a plastic straw anymore. Um, and don't realize that it's federal government policy. Um, and, um, which is crazy because that's just so obviously not the competent level of government to, to, uh, handle an issue like this. Um, but, uh, but anyway, so yes, let's first of all say, yeah, like if, if it seems, if it seems frivolous to you, then congratulations. I, I guess congratulations for being above needing to drink things through straws, I guess. I don't know. Um, but, uh, but it's it's just it's so obviously stupid to most people. It's so obviously actually wasteful uh, and destructive to most people. Um, and uh, and it is it is the kind of thing that that I think normal off Twitter people get so much more irritated by than people who are on Twitter could possibly imagine. Um. So, so that's number one. Number two is um, that uh, okay. I'll do a joking number two first. Joking, jokingly, number two is as as one wag on Twitter pointed out. Uh, when you think about it, plastic straws are really tiny pipelines. Um, so. So it's exactly the kind of thing that the Sovereignty Act was designed for. And that 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 was a good enough one that I'm I'm mm-hmm. going to I'm going to let it stand in as number two. Number three. <laughs> um number three, this is an actual example of federal overreach, of of federal bending the law, of federal intrusion into provincial territory. That is exactly the kind of thing that that it's crazy that okay so um the canadian environmental protection act passes in 1999 they claim that they are allowed to pass this over uh, because of their criminal law powers that still means that enforcement is would be provincial by the way and that's the kind of thing that the sovereignty act is actually aimed at is okay great you have the criminal law power but we're not going to enforce it we're going to instruct 
cops in this province not to enforce it. And that's all that is. Okay. Um, uh, and, and, um, and so they're basically immediately sued. It's upheld by the Supreme Court of Canada um, as a valid exercise of federal um, uh, federal criminal law. Um, but um, they can't, under the original act, they can't regulate plastic because the um, Canadian Environmental Protection Act gives them the power to to uh, gives them the power to regulate toxic substances and then lists the toxic substances they're allowed they're allowed to regulate um, and uh, and and by the way they're mostly chemical pollutants they're not they're not like manufactured products uh, mostly chemical pollutants. Um, so in May of 2021, very recently, the feds go ahead and by ordering counsel, which is to say, which is to say through cabinet, just the cabinet just writes a regulation amending a duly passed law from the House of Commons. I'm belaboring this because this is exactly what people were lighting their hair on fire about the Sovereignty Act giving cabinet the power to do uh, last week. Is uh, uh, So, ha! Huh, this is one of those, I think I said last week, hundreds of places where in a uh, where in a Westminster democracy um, you say, yes, the legislative body will pass a law, but then the details will get filled out by cabinet. And that is extremely common. I don't like how common it is. I would prefer these things to be actually openly debated by the legislature. I would prefer the people's houses to have to consider these things directly and, and be able to be held accountable for it and and not have it in order in council when you don't even necessarily know who actually made the decision. Um, so you can you can hold the government in general responsible. So that political party basically, um, but you can't um, you can't write your MLA or your MP and say I don't like this. I would like you to vote against it. Um, and so so anyway. But they amended it by ordering council. They they just they added they added um, what did they call it? Um, uh, plastic manufactured items um, to their list of toxic substances. Um, and uh, so so then in June of this year. Because they now have the power to regulate plastic manufactured items as toxic substances, 
the federal government announces national restrictions, bans, um, uh, including um, including the plastic straw ban. Um, so almost immediately, again, um, the government is sued over the classification of plastic as a toxic substance by the plastic petrochemical industry. <laughs> um, and, um, uh, and Alberta joins the lawsuit on the side of the petrochemical in industry. Um, in part, uh, they claimed at the time that because uh, this then this would be this would be Jason Kenney because um, it was it was September uh, September of 2021 I think that um, that Alberta joined this lawsuit um, so uh, Alberta claims that the designation of plastic as a quote unquote toxic substance would discourage investments in oil and gas petrochemicals. Um, okay, if you have the power to regulate plastic as if it's toxic, then people are are going to be less likely to want to invest. Yep. Um, we make oil here, like, and we have a lot of petrochemical um, uh, petrochemical industry here because of that. Um, okay, but it's litigation, it takes forever, so it's still it's still moving through very slowly, right? Um, so we don't know if Ottawa has this legal authority to regulate plastic or not, and probably won't for years. And if the federal government is wrong and they don't have this right, then it is a provincial authority to regulate it. Um, so this is actually not a crazy thing to use the Sovereignty Act on, actually, is to say, okay, so instead, if the, if, in, in, instead of in every case where a province and the federal government disagree about who has the power to regulate something, Instead of every time just functionally deferring to the feds for years while federal courts decide what they think about the issue, why not just reverse that and say, okay, in the meantime, we're going to act as if you're wrong. <laughs> we're, going to, we're going to act as if this is an overstep of your power. And we're not going to let this take effect. In our province, we're not going to let this be enforced in our province until we are definitively told by the courts that we're wrong, right? Like, why not? Why not flip that? Um, that is how we do it in most cases. If you're proposing the change in the status quo, then then you're the one who waits while we decide whether this is legal or not, right? Um, and uh, it's only because 
the other party is the federal government who feel like they should be able to throw their weight around and feel like they have automatic supremacy on these issues, which is not the design of our constitution, is not the way it's supposed to work. Um, th that's the only reason this is. So, so yeah, straws might seem like a, a smallish thing, but it's actually exactly the kind of thing that shouldn't just be assumed to be in the federal government government's power. It, other, otherwise, what you're saying is that every small thing, every tiny, <laughs> every tiny issue that that seems like no one should ever get worked up about it. Yeah, we should just assume that the federal government has the right to regulate it away. Yeah, especially since already it is a death by a thousand paper cuts is really what what the what are the massive overreaching government inflicts on its people time and time again. And also because we know that this is all aiming this is aiming for towards something. Like every little Every little uh, right that they claw for themselves will be used later. Like they, you know, like did did we think that the bank would that that the when the governments decided that they were going to um, give us uh, banking insurance that someday they would cut us off from our funds and our banks? You know, like the, the these are little. It's a death by a thousand paper cuts. Little things that add up to big things that result in us um in the, in the tyrannical state that we end up in. And so, yes, absolutely, freaking yes. The uh, things like the Alberta Sovereignty Act within a United Canada should exist for the sake of of getting rid of the 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 plastic straw ban. It should be about making the lives of Albertans better and and cutting off the federal government when they first get the whiff of some new piece of power. Like that is exactly the sort of thing that it should be for. And it's not it's not being I don't know. And and also like here's what she's doing there too. Like think about this. Like the big problem is like yeah, is that all that she's going to be looking at? No, there are a lot of things that you and I probably could talk about, about like things that, that matter on higher scale. But the thing is, she's got a radio show to convince her people that this is a good move. And so she's going to take this the issue that is going to affect the most amount of people and is the most easy to understand. And yes, those little piece of crap paper straws or an issue that affects everyone and that everyone can understand. Everyone who's had to try and drink any kind of liquid through those abominations know exactly how terrible they are. And that is an easy hook to say, this is what we're fighting for. This is why you need to get behind this is because we are going, uh, we are going to try and make your life easier by, by fighting federal overreach on things like this, things that affect your life every day. So I think it's a savvy right. political move. And right. And why should it only work one way? If if it's if it's stupid and frivolous and no one should ever be spending their time on it, why didn't that apply to the feds? Yeah. What? Why why should why should we assume that the the people who make criminal law and wars 
should be concerning themselves with this and not the people who run healthcare and education. <laughs> like, like, I, I don't, uh, I don't see why, I don't see why, why one of those arguments is stronger than the other. Um, and, and so, <clears throat> but, but yeah, ultimately, like, I, I do think it's exactly the kind of thing um, that, and, and it's also, it's also something that isn't, it's not partisan. Like, paper straws are annoying is not a partisan thing. Like, I think, I think on Twitter, people play like it's a partisan thing that oh, only conservatives care about paper straws. But come on. No, you're just pretending you don't care because you're afraid someone's going to cancel you if you say that paper straws suck, right? Like, or, or don't suck as the case may be. Um, that um, you're, you're, you're just, you're just, you're just pretending that, that this isn't just an abomination in your mouth every time you go to Starbucks, right? Like, um, and, and, and you're doing it because it's uncool in your tribe to, uh, uh, to think that this is terrible, but everyone kind of knows this is terrible and and anyone who's not prioritizing politics so highly that that they feel like they have to pretend it's not it is going to see this as a as a, a pretty nonpartisan uh, thing and and maybe she's right by the way that the time has passed to you but I'm not sure because she kind of implies that it's something if she says this is something we could have used it on in the past Um but I'm not sure that's even right. I, I'm not sure it wouldn't be completely plausible to use it now. The government of Alberta is suing the federal government now, um, saying that this isn't a power of the federal government. Why shouldn't they? Why shouldn't they put feet slash teeth <laughs> to that assertion? And and. And now instruct the RCMP, which we've talked about this before, but in case this is your first time, the RCMP is a federal law enforcement agency, but it's actually contracted to the provinces for law enforcement. There's, there's, nothing, there's nothing preventing a province from having its own law enforcement. It's just, it's a, um, because, um, because Canada is a big place, we've had a, a tradition of having having a federally federally managed vendor, basically that the provinces can can go to because of the the, the wide open spaces. Um, uh, but there there's nothing requiring the provinces to do that, and and the RCMP would could could shrink down to just being a federal law enforcement force, which would make it significantly smaller. Um, and um, and I, I've said before that, yes, we should do that. We should, <laughs> we should have our own police force because uh, um, that would make these sorts of issues a lot easier. But, um, uh, and I'll just, I'll just quickly say that 
there there was a um there was a flood in high river um in uh 2013 uh well there was a flood in calgary too but but in uh in 2013 but in in um in high river the rcmp used to all, to all appearances, used the federal gun registry that had been illegal for three years, that had been that had been abolished for three years. It appears that they used that registry that they should have no longer had, that they that should have been destroyed, that they used it to determine who owned long guns in High River. And were breaking into their house and trying to seize the long guns to keep to to keep criminals from being able to get to them purportedly um, during the flood. But um, but so Albertans don't really trust the RCMP um, to. Uh, you know, if you can't trust them to not be accessing a database that was supposed to have been destroyed, then then you certainly can't trust them uh, to not enforce a law that they're told not to enforce. So, um, so uh, or in this case, a regulation. Um, so it is. Um, and by the way, in this case. I think it would be health and safety inspectors at restaurants that would be actually enforcing this thing. I, I don't think it's the RCMP. Um, and, um, and those are, those are certainly provincial um, and directly employed by the province. So anyway, um, so yeah, in this case, getting rid of the RCMP is not necessarily relevant to uh, uh I don't think, but obviously in a broader sense, uh, that's, that's also part of what needs to happen for Alberta to assert its own sovereignty, to decentralize right. as much as possible um, and, uh, and head more in that direction. So anyway. Well, that's our list. I think that's it. We, we covered a lot of ground this, uh, this preamble, and uh, I think we're ready to go to the state of theology. Hopefully it will not leave us. Hopefully when we come back to you on the other side of this, we will not be as depressed as we were last week. Yeah. And a crisp, crisp two hours or something. I don't know. Like we, 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 <laughs> you know, we, we did good work. We've done worse <laughs> 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 to hear the rest of this conversation. Tune into anarchist Bible study episode 87.5 trustworthy, but not true. But now back to the show. All right, so uh, this time we're coming back in a better mood than we left. I think I think we we felt feel pretty good about that bonus episode. And so if we're talking to you uh, from preambling number thirty eight, and if you're wondering, should I tune in to episode? Oh, what is that? Uh, Eighty seven point five. Yes, you should. It'll it's a it's the feel good episode of the year. Uh, <laughs> We've lowered our standards enough that it's a feel good episode. <laughs> That's right. Um, yeah, make, make, if you're not listening to our bonus episodes, our bonus episodes are where we ask what's wrong with you people and, and find <laughs> out sometimes less than we expected. Uh, yeah. But honestly, I've, I've heard, I've heard some people say like that. The, the, these are some of their favorite episodes. Now is that what well, our statement on theology 
episodes that that so so if you're not checking that out, apparently it's it's really good. Um, almost as good as as uh, the book Drosselmeyer, The Watcher's Realm by Paul Thompson. Almost as good as that, which is what we're reading right now. What we're gonna be looking at, um, <laughs> uh, and uh. This one got um so we 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 continued the story from last time and it got a little bit wild. Um so so buckle in. We're starting to we're starting to see things move. Although it seems like we we at the end of the chapter it seems like we're going to slow down a little bit. This was a heightened climactic or pre-climactic event. Um but but chapter 10 we pick up with remember last where we left off in chapter 9. We discover that this 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 person is named William, um, which is a Southern Kingdom name, and in fact, they are from the Southern Kingdom. Well, in this chapter, we hear we find out more of who he is. He is actually son of someone who works at the um, at the embassy in the Central Kingdom. So they're actually kidnapped from the embassy in the Central Kingdom. Which is, um, you know, if you know anything about ambassadorship and embassies, this is this is a serious offense. Um, but, uh, but Fritz, um, they, they question him, and uh, and then, but but what's interesting is this: William has. Um, he, 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 he wants to get back to the mines. Like he is terrified about being away from his post and he keeps bringing up this tree monster, this tree monster who he has to answer Which, to. Fritz. And we will find out in the next chapter. Also Heron both have plenty of information to know the being he's talking about and yet completely laugh him off and ignore it. It's like, yeah. Yeah. Frick, you yeah. literally described this thing as looking like a tree. Like, y you know, <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. They, they, they kind of laugh him off, but they find out there's uh, four or five bunks where the with, filled with 50 boys that are inside uh, of the, of the mine. But this boy is just desperate to get back to his post because they say, if you get, if you get stuck by that tree person, then it causes, um, what does it say? He comes, well, first of all, he comes by every couple of days when we ship out the gold. So he always comes with the gold is shipping out, which is right now they are shipping out the gold. Um, and to get stuck, what does he say? He says that when you get stuck with it, he tells us there's no pain in all the world, like when you're stuck and, and may, and uh, that's, that's called foreshadowing children. Um, mm -hmm. And, uh, but Fritz ends up deciding he's going to take him back to the, to the, to the embassy. Um, and, and also you might as well have named the tree monster Chekhov. <laughs> yeah, <you know. laughs> um, but Heron, but he promises Heron that he's going to come back. Um, and he's going to make a wizard's promise. And then Heron act put, pushes his fingers down and says, don't make a promise. You have no control over, which again, feels like foreshadowing. Um, though, uh, but, um, but then in the midst of it, 
Fool Williams starts taking off running and ends up falling all, almost off a cliff. And so Fritz has to, to give himself a magical push. Like I'm picturing it's a really uh, cinematic scene. It's really kind of uh, impressive. The way he, he throws himself over the ledge to catch William. And as he grabs him by the hand, flying over him, quickly uh, transports him to the embassy. Um, at which point he starts trying to push through to say, I need to meet with a diplomat. Um, but but then he, he uh, upon William's return, though, there's this uh, very touching scene of return where um, the, the pretty much the whole embassy comes out and, and wraps their arms around William. It's a very touching scene that Fritz is doing some good, and that's, that's good to see. But basically, he's looking for the diplomat, and he finds out he's gone. They're gone. That the central kingdom is no longer safe for foreigners, as we see, and that pretty much everyone, all the servants are still there only because they're there to see that William has returned home. And so, um, as soon as they, they as soon as they and gather, by the way, Fritz has been being super rude to them, um, yes, and, yes, and suddenly, suddenly realizes that he's being yeah. super rude when they tell yeah. him that. Mm hmm. Yeah. And and then they're um, but then their their plan, they're going to as soon as he as soon as he heads back, they're going to pack up the embassy, and all of them are going to go back by way of the Eastern Kingdom because that's the only safe way home. Um, they can't go straight south because they're gonna get they just want to get out of the Central Kingdom as soon as possible, and the East is the only safe direction. Again. A little bit of foreshadowing uh, that we're gonna we might be seeing the east soon, um, but he sends them with a but Fritz sends with them um, a note to deliver to uh, King um, to to King Richard, uh, right, Richard? Yes. 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 I suddenly started doubting myself, um, but yeah, basically he says, um, if if possible, limit the number of people who hears William's story. <laughs> And then, um, yeah, sends them off with a note um, uh, to for King Richard. Um, but then he heads back, and this is where the the story then pick, come, comes back. He does head back to um, to uh, the caves, and 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 uh, and in the process, he says what had happened in his in his absence was. Um, a man and four more guards pulled up right after he had disappeared. And this man was a big man. And, and Fritz and Fritz suddenly starts getting antsy. Like he says, I think we need to attack now. Aaron's like, I mean, the people aren't, the rest of our people aren't here yet, but no, Fritz is just, Fritz is just feeling like he needs to move. And, um, and, and and Heron says, "What about this tree monster and the big and the new big guy?" Which, of course, you know, of course, we can't possibly think that the two are the same guy, but <laughs> it turns out they are. It turns out the big guy is the tree guy. But Fritz says, Fritz smiles and rubs his hand over his shirt above the medallion. I fought big people before. I'll handle him. So um, Fritz is getting a little bit overconfident. Um, which mm -hmm. last time this happened, bad things happened. Um. So he knocks out the guards, runs full speed into the into the um, cave, and he comes up with a with a plan that he's going to um, make it seem like there's a cave in coming 
uses a magical spell to make it seem like there's a cave incoming so that they start uh, abandoning the mine because he just he he can tell that he's he's at a disadvantage in the caves um uh and 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 they've got this interesting strategy where every oh, when they go past every kid they shout at him they just start telling him that the Z, the czar's order is that they get out so they're using the czar uh the, the they're commanding them in the name of the czar which you know is lying but for a good cause um and so they just go along knocking out guards after guard and sending kid after kid out. Um, and then, um, yeah, let's see. Um, and there's a, there's a nice little moment where he remembers some of Baroda's teaching along the way. And then finally we meet the tree monster and, uh, it says Heron set Heron asks, Did you see the tree monster? Fritz told the older wizard, There's no such thing as monsters. And then a low rumbling laugh from behind him sent a bolt of fear be through him. Fritz turned around, spell in hand, and groaned, Mr. McGregor, you too? So here we have another teacher from uh, the, the, the school. This is the physical education teacher, the one who. I mean, honestly, out of all the teachers, he seemed like the nicest of them. But it makes sense that he would also be this one of these terrible, uh, awful monsters. Guardians, as they're called. Um, and already, as he's walking up, his index finger begins to extend to a sharp point. He says, I'm the monster you don't think exists. So, <laughs> um, Fritz... But this is the first time where I where we get an actual fight between um, between a guardian and Fritz. So far, he has avoided fights pretty well, right? He's got the 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 um, he interacts with the headmaster, Mister Peabody, and his uh, secretary. But there's really just he just gets this weird feeling and then bolts um, as quick as he can with uh, with Mrs. Wakimba. He just he once he sees the fingers and he sees that he's outmatched a little bit, he cuts and runs. This is the first time where he actually goes head to head with one of these guardians, which is the name that we've discovered that they go by. And it does not go well. Um, for one thing, we see that they weren't bluffing when they say that his magic does not affect them. Like it really just kind of flips off of him. Um, and in fact, we also see that they're very fast. And we discover that he was not bluffing when he told the kids that if you get stuck by him, it hurts like crazy. It says, um, so Fritz casts a spell at them, but McGregor was suddenly in front of him, inches from his body, an ashy cloud dissipated from the teacher's body. So there's some kind of a, that's some kind of a magical teleportation, right? This is what we're supposed to read from that. Um, and then McGregor grabs his, sh his shoulder with one hand and rammed his elongated finger into Fritz's stomach. The pain was instantaneous and beyond anything Fritz had ever experienced. He couldn't yell or breathe. His body was paralyzed, waiting to process the sensation to decide how to react. Like I said, lad, McGregor said with a smug look of satisfaction, you can't stop me. And so things 
And so that this is a moment where like um he starts to maybe uh um well, you know, this, this there's a there's a bit of desperation in this moment and um there've been moments of desperation for Fritz in the past. And what usually happens, I've even forgot about this. It's been so long since we had one of these. What usually happens in those moments of desperation is uh, Fritz's green eyes sparked and he punched with all his might, not in McGregor's face, but his finger. The digit cracked beneath his fist with a loud crunch. Fritz stumbled back, free of McGregor's hold. McGregor looked down at his splintered appendage. He held it up, studying it with a confused look. So Fritz doesn't use magic. He just used full-on force. But what's happening again is that that thing that would happen, remember when Marzi and he got stuck in, um, were, were surrounded by all the rats, and all of a sudden he started sparking and started going nuts on him. Um, this happened the last time uh, when he when he and Farouk went head-to-head is this this sparking this 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 sense uh this is uh some kind of otherworldly power starts moving through him um and this is really where fritz is at his danger most dangerous we still don't know what it is or what it means or where it comes from um but it's starting to happen again and um and fritz has a a, a, a remembers and sees marzi's face and he remembers that he still has to save her and then, uh, and, and he remembers Cora, and he remembers how he wants to hold Franz one more time, and uh, and he starts, and then he, uh, then McGregor starts to hold up his other finger, and it grew to a long point. He eyed Fritz with a grin, not like this. Fritz whispered, "Not like." His eyes sparkled again, the silver and green mixing in brilliant flashes. A spell formed in his hand. And then um, he's about to send out the blast, but now finally Fritz gets smart. And he doesn't attack McGregor. He attacks the ground near the horses. And so then the horses rear up and bolt forward, dragging their gold away. And he knows that McGregor wants the gold. And so McGregor takes off running after the horses. And this is Fritz's way to escape, except for instead of escaping... He just passes out. <laughs> um, and when he wakes, where is he? Jeff? Uh, oh, he's in the Eastern Kingdom. That's right. And some time has passed. <laughs> this is uh, we're a in month. the movie. Yeah, um, yeah, a month. It says where the movie pans, it says one month later. Uh, but he doesn't. He's not aware of that at first. He has to be told that because there he is. Uh, Katya is is a t- is tending to him as well as this older woman named uh, Ming. Yeah, Ming. Um, he has to be told that he's in the Eastern Kingdom, and that it's been a month. And actually, uh, Heron ha- had traveled him away, and it took the rest of the group a week to catch up with them. Um, so they they had already been there a week before before they arrived. Um, but basically he's been poisoned. What, what caused the pain is there's a a poison in their sting. So we're starting to learn about these guardians. We're starting to put pictures together, pieces together about these guardians, who they are. They are, um, magical 
um, and yet impervious to other magic. They are very strong, very fast, and they have their their. their and I think only their their one digit. Is it all their fingers, or is it just the one finger on each hand? Well, they're able to lengthen their fingers. I think they could, in principle, lengthen any of them. Okay. okay. Um, and certainly, certainly, Mister McGregor. I mean, one of his one of his fingers is shattered, and yeah. starts to lengthen the index finger on the other right. hand. I guess my um, question is, is it just the index fingers or is it all the fingers? So I don't know. You know, well, the, if it has anything to do with what's making the demon have crazy long fingers for him, it's oh, all his sure. fingers, isn't it? Yep. You're right. I think you're right. Yep. 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 Um, but when so they do so, if it has any connection to that, then yeah. presumably it could, be, it could, in principle, be all of them. Uh, and when they do so, hmm, their fingers become very pointed, very, very dangerous, but also poisonous. Um, and we know at least Mrs. Wakimba, Ms. Wakimba, has the ability to control the minds of the orphans under her control. And so there's, there's some magical abilities maybe it's that they have very limited magical abilities or selective magical magical abilities maybe they are mighty as wizards and also um um uh, impervious to the magic of wizards um we don't know we're, we're still kind of learning about these guardians since no one will tell fritz about anything uh even though they all seem to know about it um but this, but we also learn a little bit more about Katya in this in this chapter. They were in chapter eleven. Um, what do we learn about Katya about her her background? Uh, she had a husband and a son. Yeah. Um, and her husband was killed. She found his body, but her son disappeared, presumably to work in the mines mm. when he was eight. Yeah. Yeah, and 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 she never got any um, closure about the kids, which is why she she gets a little mad at Fritz at one point where he's like, where she says you gave them closure, uh, that that a lot of the kids were returned and many who who died, the parents were given closure about them, and he he's kind of scoffed at that, but she said you know it's easy for you to say you've never been in a situation where you have none, and um, and basically she got into prostitution through desperation. And I know that this is, you know, basically, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to speak for, for Paul too much, but I know that this is a sensitive thing, issue for him. Um, the subject of, of debt, of, of particularly sexual trafficking and, and, um, prostitution and, and matters like that. Like, a, I, I know he speaks, he speaks from, uh, it, from what I know from conversations I've had with him in the past, I think he speaks from a place of, um, of, of really this being part of his heart uh, for, for people um, who, who go into these fields for desperation. But this is what happens is she went into prostitution out of desperation because she had given up and really it was finally finding herself as part of this, this, this resistance that pulled her out of it, that she finally had hope, something to move forward. Um, uh, but um but there's 
but but then also we're continuing this this little attraction that Fritz has for her, which of course comes with equal parts pleasure, equal parts um complete uh uh what would you call it um uh guilt guilt yeah guilt uh feeling like he's 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 cheating on Marzi um so this is it's fun it's fun because it's like a it's like a it's like a love triangle triangle where one member of the triangle is completely out of the picture. It's a fascinating uh, way of doing that. Um, well, I mean, it's interesting. Not unlike Sarah uh, in. Uh, oh yeah. Wasn't 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 Sarah unconscious for most of? Unconscious or on a different ship. <laughs> or on a or yeah yeah, yeah uh, out of the for picture for of much the, of it. For most of the Evie situation, so yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, and so, so we learn a little bit more about Ming, we learn a little bit more about Heron when Heron comes in and he says, time to go, says we're, we're leaving, we're leaving right now. We got to get going They're They're going to go to the, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't remember this the Southern kingdom, right? Is that the plan? Oh, and, and sorry, just, this is, I think, an important character beat for Fritz. He's got a lot of self-doubt about whether he made the right decision yeah. with the, with the boy. They, so yeah. Katya, Katya and Heron are actually telling him that he did, that, yeah. that, that they wouldn't have had a chance if he hadn't gone in guns blazing, so to speak, and, and, yeah. and all that. But, um, but a lot of them died. Um, and, uh, and, and he had... He had been all high and mighty about not risking their lives when they started this conversation, um, and uh, and so he's he's really he's really having some self doubt about yeah. this. Yeah. Um. But they, but but um. But also, Katia now knows that Fritz oh, yeah. is a wizard, and also knows that Heron is a wizard. Um, because he he had to reveal that to them in the process. Um, but basically, Heron has Heron has for whatever reason said that he is not allowed to use magic. That Drosselmeyer cannot use magic. He hasn't explained why yet, but right, right. now he he's very clear. He says you cannot use magic. We're not traveling. We're not by magic. We have to go by cart. Um, is it because they're they're somehow tracking the magic? Is it because Something in the poison is going to affect him, especially when he tries to use his magic. We don't know. It doesn't, we haven't been told that. But on the ride, he starts to learn a little bit. We start to learn more about Heron. Um, so Heron knows about the Divine Convergence, for one thing. Knows about mm -hmm. the Divine Convergence. So maybe we're finally going to learn a little bit more about that. Um, but uh, um, <laughs> Heron asks about, um, was it... Um, he asks, "What do you know about it?" Almost not. Uh, what What do you know about it? Um, almost nothing. Fritz answered. Eric, one of the wizards of the order, told me it had to do with the medals we wear. Heron raised an eyebrow. Eric from the Western Kingdom. How is that giant oaf? Fritz let out a long, uh, before finishing with, "He's dead." Oh, Heron craned his neck to look at the road. That's too bad. <laughs> <laughs> and what about Bar and what has Baroda told you about it? Heron asked with an air of timidity. 
Nothing. Fritz responded. How is Baroda? Aaron queried hesitantly. Fritz bit his lip. He's dead too. <laughs> Boria? Aaron fr faced Fritz, eyebrows raised. Fritz shook his head. Heron's face went white. How did he die? It's a long story. Uh, <laughs> so, so uh, Heron has been a little disconnected from order politics for a while, it seems, yeah. um, because uh, three of them are dead, and he's like, and he's he's not sure. He's, he hasn't doesn't really have hasn't really come up to the point of being able to admit that he was the one who killed them, but. Uh, <laughs> Um, but anyway, um, well, he Fritz, he didn't kill Beretta. No, he didn't kill Beretta. Right, right, right. Three of the four, three of the four dead wizards are his job. Uh, one of them was not. Um, um, but then he tells them the story. He tells them the story of, of the whole thing. Um, uh, assuming also up to the point of, of including, yeah, yeah. Including his killing of the other wizards. Um, Heron was silent for a few minutes, deep in thought. Thank you for telling me this at length. Um, and then Katia cuts in. Katia cuts in. Cora was right. Chris turned around to look at her. About what? You should cut your hair, she said. You look like a homeless dog. Heron stifled a laugh. Uh, so, uh, and then we learned a little about Heron, uh, too. He, he, uh, Heron, when he snapped, um, was sent to study with a hedge witch, and so not with a wizard of the of the order, but with a hedge witch. Well, which those are lower. But wait a second. What is this part of that? Is that part of that story true? What do you because mean? he 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 tells him this story, and and. Uh, Fritz gets the idea that he might not be telling the truth, and it turns out um, oh, I'm sorry. Spoilers. Um, <laughs> oh, I I think uh, I'll say, I, I, this is in this next chapter, yeah, 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 we haven't got to that part yet, part yet. but he tells a story of saying that he learns from uh, a hedge witch named Grimelda um, after that he studied in under a uh, 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 under a Dr. Cho in the Eastern Kingdom, which is where he met Ming and why they were in the Eastern Kingdom. Um, and then it says, when the Tsar began taking our gold, I sent my wife to stay with her family up by the northern border and focus my efforts on the current war. Um, Heron stretched out on seat and said, that's my story. Um, Fritz scowled. Uh, so I, what, I, what I'm... Okay, so without spoiling, I'm reading that he's not giving the whole story because, um, yeah. because of course... They continue on their journey. Oh, I was immediately suspicious that this wasn't yeah. the whole story because it was it, too quick. How in this story do you do you know who Baroda is? How yeah. do you know who Boria is? Yeah, how it's too quick for one thing. Um, yeah, but also like Fritz and uh, but then but there's a, a few um, moments that uh, beats uh, along the road of, as the traveling goes on. Um, and um, including some moments of driving through some eastern uh, nation towns and discovering that they have great uh, that they, that they're all hiding when they hear the horses coming because um, because the army of the central kingdom has made its way even as far as eastern kingdom, yeah. which is a big deal. 
Um, you kind of wonder where he's getting all of his soldiers from. Um, but then after they get, arrive where they're going, or they arrive at, at a a drop off at a stopping off point, it looks like in the eastern um, toward the eastern border. Um, and and Heron sends Katia to to deal with the horses. Uh, or or to, to start the fire and, and get the dinner going while Heron and Drosselmeyer put up the horses. Uh, and that's when Heron grabs Fritz and says, come with me. We need to talk for real this time. So that's where we see that the story that he told yeah, is either partial or false. Right. And we'll see what his real story is next week. Will we come back to Drosselmeyer, the Ro- the Watcher's Realm by Paul Thompson, and so, uh, how about what's what's let's see we're about let's see we're about halfway hey. into the book yeah we're halfway into the book, so what are some uh questions you have, uh what are some things you're hoping are coming or maybe even hazard some predictions what do you think? Well, first of all, I, I I want to know how much time we're actually saving. By abbreviating to R A W J A J A T R D colon T W R B T H C L T C A A T. I think I, I took a crack on Twitter that it's 11% shorter now that we've abbreviated. I think, I think we're saving a lot of time with that abbreviation. Um, that's right. Uh, so that, that, that's one thing that I want to know. Um, listeners read it. Um, but, um, uh, but then, much less importantly, um, yeah. So, so okay, yeah. I want to know what's the real story. How does Heron? How does Heron know all these members of the order? I yeah. I think I think Heron is actually a lot more important and central to the order and to everything that's been going on, then he's letting on. Um, and, um, let's see, we, we still, I assume it's in this book that we will, um, get, Marzi freed from the Celestine. Hmm. Um, and uh, Marzi and Farouk, and I forget who all's in it. Um, so, um, I, I actually don't think they will. I think this is going to, I think that's going to be the third book. Do you think that's a third book thing? I think that's the third book. Um, yeah, maybe so. Um, and, and, I know, and I know that the reason we're doing predictions is because I I know that uh, we're this is really fan service and directed at one particular fan because I know Paul gets a kick out of hearing us uh, pr- make predictions and theories. Uh, he he just I know he's I can just hear him giggling with delight at this. Uh, but I think um, okay okay oh, I have a I think Katya's son is alive. Yeah. 
I think we're going to find Katya's son. I think um, so no, that, that feels right. I, I don't, I don't think that was, uh, I don't think that was just background. I mm-hmm. think, I think, I think we're, we're eventually going to find him. Um, yeah. Let's see. Um, Ooh, is the czar under mind control? That's a good question. That's a good question. Um, so is he actually? So is this a coup essentially? Yeah. <laughs> um, um, or is is or is this actually benefiting? Because I don't know. It 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 seems like this is the guardians have taken over. Yeah, and. It, Perhaps unclear how the czar is benefiting. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, the, that's a good question. That the central kingdom is being used by the guardians to accomplish their purposes. Yeah. But so. And it seems to go so back wonder- all the way to um, Boreas helping. Uh, and it, it seems to go all the way back to the overthrow of the original czar. And so Baroda has seen as part of it. And I, here's the question that I have is Bar- was Baroda wrong? to attack the order was Boria actually doing the right thing. Like the question I have is like, was, was it a situation where Boria was doing the wrong things for the right motives? And, um, and in the middle, middle of doing it so ruthlessly, this is what drove Farouk to insanity and caused all these problems. Like, is he right that the divine convergence is the only way to fight back against these things? In which case, why is one guardian seeming to work with Boria? We still don't know who that thing is in his Celestine. And why right. is, if, if the guardians are somehow working against the order and against the orders, the, in this case, why was he helping the guardians? Like, what what is the order? Yeah, what is the 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 relationship between the divine convergence and these guardians? Was Boria planning to betray them, or was there sort of like a uh, a detente? But they were both trying to betray the other. I I don't know that the the relationship between Boria and the guardian and the Celestine uh, is still a mystery to me, and I want and and I'm I'm hoping to see. What that is, what that means. I'm hoping to see like was Boria doing the wrong things for the right reason, or was he just completely misled? That could be as well. Like, um, um, I'm 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 interested in how this Katia Marzi Drosselmeyer uh, love triangle works out. But here's my prediction. Here's my here's my prediction. I think that. The third book is going to be explaining how the bal- the Nutcracker Ballet fits into this whole world and that we're going to find that some of the characters in the ballet are actually these um are actually these um are the the, the are like Marzi and Andor and stuff like that like these are going to be oh, the okay. people who, but but because Farouk is messing with their minds, that they're all going to take on these alternative 
character oh. uh, characteristics. Um, and because within the Celestines, there seems to be like this. I keep going back to that conversation. Was it at the end of this book, last book, or the beginning of this book, where this this woman approaches Drosselmeyer and says, "Welcome to the Order of the Watchers." That there is some kind of a, I don't know, some kind of an order of people who watch over Celestines, and and I'm that's another question that's still left to be answered, and that I'm I'm interested in seeing how that answers, how that that question gets answered. Um, but that's that's my my prediction, and of course that means that this book is just setting up the third book, and we'll see what what happens there. Um. So, these are our predictions. Paul, uh, giggle away. Enjoy yourself. I hope you and I hope you're enjoying uh, us talking about this book, and I hope you, listener, are enjoying hearing us talk about this book as well. And uh, if you have not grabbed a copy yet, you should. This is great writing, phenomenal writing. I gave the trilogy to a uh, a, a family in my in my church, and they devoured it. Like they just, they, they pass it around the, and they, I think that, you know, like a week, they all read all three of the books. And so, um, I've also recommended it at a, a family, uh, gathering over Thanksgiving. Um, uh, go grab a copy, start reading today. It is very good. Very keeps you, keeps you guessing, keeps you on the edge of your seat and, and our conversations about it do not do justice to how good of us, how good of the writing is. And give it to other people. I hear there's a holiday coming up soon that sometimes right. involves the giving of gifts. That's right. Ooh, I should grab, I should think about that. I was looking for a gift for someone. Am I okay? Maybe. All right. So, uh, but yeah, go grab a copy. Go grab three copies. Grab six copies. Start sharing them. Start putting them. Just randomly set it in your library somewhere so that someone's gonna read it. You know, if you've got one of those free book tables, just grab a copy and put it out there. Uh, so just share it wide. It's a great book. And um yeah. But I think um come to the point where we um where we say Enough preambling. Let's get to the show. This has been preambling. To hear the rest, tune into Anarchist Bible Study episode eighty seven, Shared Universe Theory Confirmed. Grace and peace. I didn't start the recording. Crap. <laughs> Take it from the top.